you know, for me to have that with you is the most amazing. I even feel like I took a deep breath there, like this, the greatest, deepest liberation I can feel within my own being to know at any point, whatever I'm feeling or experiencing, I can be in full expression of that. And you can meet me, hold me there or go with me there. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Time to talk about mushrooms from our friends over at lifecycle.com. That's L I F E C Y K E L. These guys are an evolutionary mushroom biotechnology company based out of Byron Bay, Australia. And let me tell you what, man, these guys are a game changer in the world of mushroom extracts. None of that cheap, toxic stuff from China. These guys are doing it right, making the mushrooms themselves, or I guess God makes the mushrooms technically. They just spore them, grow them, whatever they do. They create these mushroom extracts and they are absolutely fantastic. They're like biohacker grade. In fact, they have a biohacker set that's got these uh, this beautiful box with these bottles in it. It's got lion's mane, cordyceps, turkey tail, reishi, shiitake, all the master mushrooms. And they even started making a chaga extract recently, which is very cool and also delicious. So I'm a huge fan of medicinal mushrooms. Uh, There is so much research on these things, man. You know, shiitake is not only delicious to eat, but it also supports your immune system and skin and hair growth. Cordyceps, of course, is amazing for energy due to its increased oxygen uptake abilities. Supports your endurance. Get shredded, work out. It's also good for sex, they say. Uh, Reishi is really good for relaxation, chilling out, calms the nervous system. I swear I could drink like half a bottle of the life cycle reishi before meditation. Now it has too much alcohol in it. <laughs> I'd probably get hammered. It's like half a shot or something. I'm, I'm not trying to do that, but... I just love the feeling of reishi in my body. And I also love their lion's mane, which is renowned for providing support to the brain and nervous system. Lion's mane is the one that uh, some people uh, I've heard mix with other types of mushrooms in a microdosing stack kind of situation. It's also great for REM sleep. There's a lot of studies on that. And then, of course, turkey tail, one of the best documented mushrooms in scientific research has a wide spectrum of beneficial properties and shows much promise in supporting the immune system, which is, of course, on many people's minds right now. So to check out these fantastic medicinal mushroom products, here's what you do. Go to lifecycle.com. That's L-I-F-E-C-Y-K-E-L. Use the code STORY15 and save 15% off at lifecycle.com. One of the coolest things about my job as the host of the Lifestylist podcast is always being on the cutting edge and not only finding out the best products when it comes to health, 
but the best companies that are making those products. Now, I'm someone that's been into bee products for a really long time. And if you heard episode 175 with Carly Stein, you got to hear me totally geek out on my obsession with bees and bee products. If you haven't heard that one, by the way, go back and check it out. That's 175. But what I didn't know about bee products is A, how many different products bees actually make in a hive, what their different uses are in terms of health support, and also that there are just a lot of companies that are making products that are very inferior. Either they're weak or they're not tested for pesticides and things like that. So the whole like bee product game, I thought I was pretty on top of and I got schooled in that episode and now I'm going back and kind of re-educating myself and I'm using all of the products from Beekeepers Naturals. So they've got a few that I'm really into. There's the propolis, which is kind of like the medicine of the hive. Then you've got, of course, the bee pollen, which is the food. That's the protein. It's actually the highest protein food on the planet. And it's also got free-forming amino acids. So it's great for pre-workout, for muscle recovery. And then, of course, the raw honey, which is amazing. And I thought I knew something about honey. It's got live enzymes. You know, if you take a little bit before you go to bed, it helps you sleep. There's some things like that. But it turns out honey is a legit superfood if you get it from the right company. It's full of antioxidants and it's just insanely powerful. Then you've got royal jelly. Now, royal jelly is the chronic stuff. That's the food that's exclusively made for the queen bee. So the queen bee lives about 40 times longer than the average worker bee. So put the math together there and you'll know that royal jelly is some badass stuff. And if you want to try all of these products that the bees make in one, I'm going to recommend Bee Powered by Beekeepers Naturals. That's one of my favorites. Now, honestly, I go through it a little too fast. It comes in a jar and I just like pound that stuff. I probably weigh OD on it. You don't need to do it like I do it. You can savor it and make it last, but it's an amazing product and a really great way for you to get an introduction into all of the bee products in one jar. So go to beekeepersnaturals.com, use the code lifestylist and save 15%. That's beekeepersnaturals.com and the code is lifestylist. What's happening, beautiful people? Welcome to episode 310 of the Lifestylist Podcast, featuring my fiance and two-time former show guest, the lovely Allison Charles. We recorded this co-host conversation in the mountains of Aspen, Colorado, sitting next to a river at the foot of the Grottoes, which is one of my all-time favorite places on earth. Rather than doing a solo show this week, Allison and I decided to do a special couples episode about conscious relationships and announce our recent engagement. Here's a breakdown of what we cover in this intimate, heartfelt conversation. Our recent engagement at Cuixmala in Mexico, how baby sea turtles work their way into the proposal, how childhood trauma affects our relationships, the most common unhealthy patterns we develop as a result, the various shades of codependency, the trauma bonding cycle, and how to know if you're with a pain teacher or a love teacher, the phenomenon of love addiction and love avoidance, how to prepare yourself for healthy, sustainable love, defining a conscious spiritual relationship, conflict resolution tools, healthy communication, taking responsibility for your part, masculine feminine energy balance, how to be pair bonded yet interdependent, advice for men and women who keep meeting the wrong person, suggestions for people who are single and want to call in their soulmate partner, and creating a vision for the perfect match. So if you're someone who seeks to improve the relationship you're in or find the one that you deserve, this is the episode for you. As she and I always say regarding the gratitude we share in finding one another, if we can do it, anyone can. 
So enjoy this conversation with my favorite person in the entire world. And if you're inspired, please share the show with someone you love or even someone you want to love. See you on the other side. So here we are in the Rocky Mountains of Colorado, sweetie, having a co-hosted episode of the Lifestylist Podcast. Thanks for having me. Oh boy, my pleasure. So folks, rather than us doing a solo show today, I was overdue on my deadline out here in Colorado visiting family. Uh, Specifically, by the way, we're in a place called Independence Pass, which is one of my favorite places since I was a little kid uh, in a specific area called the Grottoes. And uh, we found ourselves here together. And I thought rather than doing a solo show, that we could just have a conversation together because we have some really exciting news to share with the listeners of the show. And uh, that exciting news is that we recently got engaged. Yay! I love right as you were building to that, like the winds, the air medicine, the wind medicine was blowing through, which really represents like transformation and change. And yeah, since we shifted from friends to sacred partners, we've been on a constant evolutionary, like fast track um, to this beautiful point that's the most meaningful for me, you know, to, uh, you know, express our devotion and our love for each other and in this particular way through you proposing and me, of course, (laughs) saying an excited yes and to I just adventure through life with you is so much fun. So I love that it just, without us planning it, it worked out for us to be on these lands that you have so much history at. And, you know, where a lot of your backstory, the tumultuous backstory lies here on these grounds. And it's just such a sacred place that now you, you can return to with me and, and engaged. It's incredible. Yeah, so we sit here on top of a giant rock overlooking, I guess it's a river, creek, large creek, small river, uh, with our engagement rings on, and it's such a different experience sitting here with you than <laughs> it was when we were in that friend zone. So uh, the engagement was was recently at the time of this recording. It would have been a month before, and it, it's funny because we've been uh, you know, kind of going back and forth. Guy, we've got to post some pictures and... <laughs> announce it to the point where people on uh, on my Instagram, I don't know if they've hit yours, are like, are you guys engaged? Because I guess people look for rings. I've never <laughs> noticed them personally. But, I knew uh, that that would happen. I mean, it didn't. It doesn't bother me, but I knew, uh, yeah, because we've taken pictures since too, and we're both like smiling in the pictures of gold rings on our left <laughs> hands on our ring fingers. I knew someone, I knew, uh, yeah, for sure, someone was going to peep that and call it out. So here it is. And uh, I mean, I've never been so happy and sure about anything in my whole life. And the story of the engagement was really fun for me because it's the first time I've ever done it. And so uh, I wanted it to be somewhere really special. So we had a trip planned to Cuixmala in Mexico. I'm sure if you listen to the show, you've heard me talk about it uh, at length. And so we were there for a preliminary run through of the retreat, the healing power of energy that's going to be this coming January, 2021 or February and January. And uh, so we were down there and I thought, man, what a perfect place to do it. You know, they have this huge stretch of beach there 
and it's just it couldn't be any more more romantic it's just ridiculous but i also wanted to incorporate an animal into that ceremony of the engagement so i thought wow we could go horseback riding or we could walk by a crocodile or we could go all the zebras could pet the zebras (laughs) could get chased by antelope and i could throw the ring back at her giant elon is that what they're called elon yeah e-l-a-n-d elon musk (laughs) and uh so i thought ah sea turtles they have a really beautiful program there where they rescue sea turtles. So at that particular stretch of beach in front of Cuixmala, which is in the state of Jalisco, about uh, three hours south of Puerto Vallarta, uh, they go out and they, they collect all the eggs and they have a hatchery. And when the eggs hatch, one of the things you can do there as, I guess, kind of an excursion at the resort is you can go uh, set the baby sea turtles free. And then legend has it, actually science has it, I suppose, where uh, the surviving females that get impregnated later in life will come back to that same spot on the beach some 25, 30 years later and lay their eggs again and thus continues the cycle. So it's a really beautiful conservation effort that they have at Creek Small Land. And the, the cycle only happens once or twice a year at most, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. It's, it's, I mean, it's the window to... The hatching is a small window. Yeah. And we just happen to be there at the, in that five, seven day window or whatever. Yeah. So uh, being the hopeful romantic that I am, I hatched this whole plan and I wasn't sure if it would fly because there are variables such as the turtles not being there at that time, but as Allison said, they were. So my plan was this, we'd go out to do kind of what she thought was going to be a turtle release. And uh, Davis Gerber, who is the staff photographer and videographer there, of course, would be in tow because we'd be wanting to shoot photos and video of that no matter what. So it would be a good surprise for me because I you know, wouldn't it wouldn't be odd to bring a photographer along with us? In well, that especially moment. my work with animals too, right? You yeah, know, as a yeah. shaman, I'm a power animal medium, and my book, Power Animals and the Card Deck, like the the animal world is is very much a, a deep and ancient uh, connection for me. So that you know, just for people that don't know yeah. me, that there's a lot of layers to the significance of this. And it wouldn't have flagged anything for you right. if I was like, hey, well, let's take pictures while we're you know, setting the turtles free. So anyway, long story short, we get out there and I have Davis hand me one of the baby turtles and these baby sea turtles that are eventually going to end up, I don't know, four feet wide or something. I mean, I don't know how much they weigh, probably a couple hundred pounds. I mean, they end up massive as you well know, probably those of you listening. But anyway, when they're babies, they fit in the palm of your hand and they had just hatched. So he hands me- Four hours earlier. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Their eyes were still closed. Yeah, they were glassed over, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, I grabbed the turtle in my hand and then I had a little bucket of the rest of them. And then she kind of went off walking in front of me and I grabbed the ring out of my pocket and I put the ring under the turtle. <laughs> and then when we got to the spot close enough to the coastline where the water is going to, you know, the, the surf is going to come in and kind of wash them back out as it does. It was normal for me to just drop to my knee and to show her the turtle or present her with the turtle. So I kind of just got down and said, oh, check it out. Check it out. Here, you know, grab this one. And she's like, oh, so cute. And yeah. she pick, picks up the turtle and there's the ring on me. Yeah, it was so beautiful. Yeah, it really was. It was so, so special. And it went off just as I had planned. And, um, and, I have, and we have it on video. You know, there's like drone footage of it. I mean, it's, it's something out of a movie. And we'll figure out how to put that out at some point when it's appropriate. Uh, but it was a beautiful moment for me. But what was funny, and I don't know how much you remember, because I went into this place personally of 
no time and space. Everything just stopped. Like a when you have a near-death experience and your life flashes before your eyes. Well, yeah, what was going through you? Because you were were frozen. I could feel the energy and emotions really surging up in you. And I was just, I, as I said, you know, I wanted to be really present. And so I gave you that space, but I wasn't sure what was being evoked. (laughs) I felt like I just sat there on my knee for ever holding that ring and I really kind of lost my breath it was the strangest experience and so I had to just kind of sit and breathe and I didn't have planned what I was going to say uh, because I find the best things are said often in spontaneity and inspiration at the gist of it of course uh, hey I want to marry you will you marry me (laughs) but yeah I just sat there and I looked in your eyes and I think my eyes started tearing up a bit and I just was like breathe Luke you can do this you got this it was a funny dude moment I think is what it was it was just but what was what if you could put your finger on one or two of the emotions was it nervousness was it exhilaration was it pure love was it fear was it all of it (laughs) I think I honestly it was just I was overtaken with love and with gratitude. Yeah. And uh, for the love that I have for you. And also just that in that moment, I, I realized that, that I had finally worked through enough of the stuff that prevented me from having an experience like that. I'm sure we'll get into it, but I just... It wasn't that I was afraid in that moment. It was more of a celebration of a, like, God damn, I've arrived. I did it. I pushed through yeah. so much, you know, just <laughs> bad information <laughs> that I'd picked up in my life and mm. so many fears that I'd worked through and, and all of that. And just to have that capacity to be able to hold that much love, not just for you, but just within me. Yeah. Like I was I'm sharing with you the other day and the expression of the love we have, it's it's so much different than I ever thought of. I thought when you're in love with someone, it's like that love is there because of them. You're in love with them. It's them that you're in love with in a sort of more immature, infatuation, romantic-based love. And not that there's anything wrong with that type of love. There's different degrees, of course. But All big medicine teachings. Yeah, but it's, the, it's being in love together in the field of love. And right. so I liked how in the post you put capital I, capital N, like you, we are in the field of love together. Yeah, sharing that field and unity. So I think in that moment, I was just overtaken by the experience of, of that depth of love. And uh, it was so hard for me to get the words out. <laughs> you know, well, you did. Like... <laughs> it was beautiful. Although neither one of us shortly after were like, what did you say? Neither one of us could recall. So thank God it was on video so we can listen back or watch back. But the thing that was coming up for me is right after you asked me, um, the overwhelming instantaneous inner reaction that I was having was presence, be here be completely present with this man, with your own being, with the, the nature that was surrounding us, be right here more fully than ever. So I remember saying to you, you know, and I also didn't want to say like, let's be present because I didn't want that to come off as like, I need a second to think. So I said, you know, of course the answer is yes. And let's 
be here. Like, let's really take this in or something to that effect. Because I really wanted us, it's very easy for us to land as we are right now, looking into each other's eyes and souls. And I wanted us to land fully in the medicine of of this really fun, beautiful moment we were, we were sharing, you know, that's, you know, it is, it's special, you know, whether it's the cliche corny special or the more sacred special, it's a special moment to get to a place in your life and in your journey with someone that that kind of devotion feels appropriate. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And also that it feels, that it feels safe. Right. You know, that, I think that was one of the big things for me in that moment was just, I, I just realized, and I had been realizing it for some time, um, as I've gotten to know you and our level of vulnerability and intimacy has, has grown into such depths, but I just, was basking in the awareness that it was safe. It was safe to love that deeply. And then it brings me to the question. I mean, we ask each other this like on a regular basis, but just as we got to this particular um, park outside of Aspen and we were walking through the trails and I just love you so deeply. And so we both ask each other all the time, why, why do I love you so much? You know, of course we know, but I think we just, it's fun to hear uh, what the other one has to say. And your answer today was along those lines. It's, you know, you, you were saying to me, it's because you know, I unconditionally love you so, you know, deeply and purely and powerfully, you know that you can be your full self at all times and and I'm here and you're in that safe space. And that was the main objective for me and all of my trials and tribulations and nearly five-year spans of celibacy and just all the passageways that I was relentlessly uh, going through to be where I'm at now in a, in a kind of relationship that I'm in with you. Um, the perhaps at the top of the list for the vast majority of the time was I need to be in full expression. I need to be my fullest, brightest, most powerful, medicinal, shining, exuberant. Um, but but along with all of that, as a shaman, as a medicine woman, uh, you know, my work and my teachings is to not caught is to not not cut off. <laughs> it's a tongue twister, not cut off from any aspect, right? So I need someone who is so in their own power and has gone so deeply within their own work that you can either hold the safe space for me to traverse wherever in the infinite cosmos and realms and dimensions and earthly planes that I need to go to be who I am and to do the work that I'm here to do, or not only hold that space, but to to traverse with me. And it takes a really, really, really certain specific kind of person. And I dare say, especially man to be able to do that. Uh, So that to, I think you're right, you know, for me to have that with you is the most amazing. I even feel like I took a deep breath there, like this, the greatest, deepest liberation I can feel within my own being to know at any point Whatever I'm feeling or experiencing, I can be in full expression of that and you can meet me, hold me there, or go with me there. Yeah. You've never not done that for me, ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's plenty more where that came from. Even in my fun little feisty, spicy moments, yeah. I love that you laugh and I get feisty. You're like, oh, feisty. Yeah. 
Feisty. I mean, listen, it's been a lot of work and we'll get into some of the work and there's, and there's more work to do. I mean, here we are in the most idyllic possible situation today, sitting out here in nature and, uh, you know, we've had our micro challenges, which have been, in my experience, much easier than some have had in the <laughs> They're past. They're like little tiny mustard seeds. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, we'll talk about the the road to getting here. I know for each of us, it's been a, a long, hard one uh, in different ways. But I think the thing that really signifies the integrity of the relationship that we're continuing to build is that mutual radical acceptance. Yeah. And that there's, you know, there's that level of trust in each other and also trust in ourselves that we know who we are. I know who I am. I'm not always, you know, as close to that, that I want to be. In other words, you know, in my full, in my full expression and in my full integrity, um, you know, I have my faults like, like all of us do, but I, I know why I'm here and I know who I am and I know what my medicine, I guess you could say is, and I know what, what I have to share. And I'm very aware of my dharma and my mission and uh and there's nothing that's going to hold me back from it so to be writing with someone who is also in their own awareness and their own autonomy of their dharma their mission their strengths acknowledging the things that they need to work on and humbly being willing to do so Mm -hmm. uh, it's a recipe for success and then the growth that takes place well for me in our relationship the growth is always out of <laughs> how much more deeply can I love without reservation and without conditions. So today, you know, we're out here and Allison's a little, I uh, was feeling a little under the weather and I'm much more of a mountaineer than she, you know, I mean, let's just say that. I've I'm I'm a full on uh, obviously as a shaman I'm a full on nature medicine woman but we gravitate a bit more to different um, atmospheres or environments yeah. I'm more slap me in the middle of a moist balmy jungle with monkeys running across my face and he yeah he's more of a mountaineer uh, you know I'm running up the mountains jumping in the freezing ass creek I mean I'm I'm wild no desire for that for yeah me. I'm wild and uh, so anyway you know I'm going a little faster than she wants at times and she wasn't really feeling uh, that well earlier and you know there's 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 those moments where uh and then and she was a little annoyed because i we got a bunch of matchas at the store and she's like what are we gonna do to keep them cold and my answer is always i'll fix it i'll fix it i'll figure it out I'll put them in the creek whatever and then we get here and i couldn't really figure it out so she got a little annoyed she's like I well mean, i wasn't shitty about it though. no not at all i was just like well we bought five expensive matchas it was just it was like five five dollar rebel matchas so anyway, when I say she's a little annoyed, I'm speaking quite literally. She is ever so subtly annoyed, but the growth is in those moments. <laughs> and I did get a little sarcastic with you. I'll admit it. At first, I wasn't. At first, I said, okay, honey, you know what? Because I came back kind of defeated. I went on a cooling, <laughs> cooling the matcha mission and I was unsuccessful at first. And, you know, she was like, well, God, I just hate to waste the money. And she was, you know, slightly bummed. And I said, you know what? Uh, I'm I'm really sorry, honey. I made a mistake. And I would, and that was honest. And I was actually just owning it in an effort to just help her feel better and move on. And then I got a little sarcastic and was like, No, I know. <laughs> I was just something. You were like, like I, I ruined everything. Yeah, I ruined or... everything. Okay, fine. You know, <laughs> kind of. But see, in those moments, and they're... then I kindly said, the sarcasm isn't necessary. Yes. 
you know, but even when we ride those moments. Yeah. In riding those moments is the growth because there's always that turning point, that decision where one can choose to be right or one can choose peace. And I'm more inclined more of the time after years and years and years and years of practicing that and making the decision not to be a nice guy, but just because it feels so much better to be at ease to just admit when I've made a mistake and take responsibility for it and, uh, and just move on. So the growth is in getting faster at snipering those little triggers mm-hmm. within myself. It's just like, oh, little trigger. And this is not only in relationship with you, but relationship with reality at large. Right. Everything that, you know, you lose your keys, the check didn't come, you stub your toe. The cashier's rude. The, the... cat shit on the carpet, what, yeah. whatever. Well, her cat doesn't shit. He sometimes throws up. Uh, those little things, there's that moment and we all have that micro moment through self-awareness and through living in the observer perspective that there's that micro choice, 10,000s of a second of which way I can turn. And so much of the beauty in being in intimate relationship for me is being presented with those little choices where I can say, oh, right now I could just make her feel so good and just hold her and really hear her and just (laughs) listen and just shut my mouth. And if there is something to atone for, however minor it might be, like having a temporary failure of preserving our matchas, um, sounds so ridiculous saying it now, but you know, this is any couple out there knows like, this is the stupid little shit you can potentially build into something more meaningful and like have a really shitty day. Um, so it's in the full expression of love. It's in the full acceptance of you and whatever waves you're riding through. And the medicine for me as a man holding healthy, conscious, masculine space is to not be reactive to whatever waves you're feeling, whether they be valid or whether you're just having a mood moment for whatever reason, your own personal shit or the stars or the moon's in a certain place or, uh, and I don't mean your moon cycle. I just mean like literally, you know, it's a full moon. You feel a little off, didn't sleep well, whatever. It's like the, the teaching is how present to you and your full expression can I be? And as a man, the way that I find my way in that is through my breath. And you probably don't even know I'm doing this most of the time. It's not like I sit there and like, oh, I have to take do some- Do Wim Hof method. Yeah, do some you know, <laughs> dramatic breath. It's just, I feel that, what I feel often is the first inclination is to sort of contract and close mm. and protect and just avoid- the expression of your emotions, that feminine fire, that ever-changing, beautiful dance of your felt sense of being. Right. And at the very instance that shows up, there is a, a micro fight or flight response. And when I sense that, just like how I sense it about anything in my reality, I go into my breath and I just breathe. And I just really in an etheric body, auric field way, create a space. Like I'm holding my arms open right now for those watching the video. It's, it's probably terribly backlit, but this was the best view. So pardon the shadowy faces, but it's really like energetically rather than closing in and pulling my heart into my chest and caving my chest and just like, I don't want to feel whatever she's feeling is really just to hold my own space and open up energetically and envelop whatever you're feeling into me 
without having to take it on and share that feeling in a codependent way. Right. But really just holding that space for you and giving you permission to express whatever you need to express. Yeah. Yeah. I think we, I think we, well, I know we ride those waves well because even the silly matcha story, this is like. And by the way, I did rescue the matchas. They are in the 40 degree creek right now being chilled. Uh, yeah. We'll give you those <laughs> points, honey, because I know you love to win. Um, I do. I did. It boosts my testosterone. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, even for us to ride those silly little moments, they're so few and far between. I mean, let's keep it real. Like, I, I want to be as real about all of this as possible. I'm not trying to present our relationship in some sort of perfectionist category because perfectionism is not an ideal way of living for me. So I want to make that clear. However, I want to also be really honest with people like our norm of energetic oscillation and uh, our norm for the the planes in which we are operating are 93% plus high all the time. Like, I don't want to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I want to, I, because we've worked hard to get here. And we've put in years and years and years and lifetimes of work <laughs> to be able to function in a relationship this way. So I just, I, in all capacities and all dimensions, um, I want to be really honest with that. And my one last small little point to this whole matcha story is the work on my end, um, because you do a really good job of being non-reactive, um, it allows me to not put hooks into anything or to latch, right? I, it al- my work is to not latch on to any certain frustration or disturbance or crunchy feeling or whatever might be coming up inside of me. Again, however valid or not valid, um, it's just to allow it to continue to, to move and to be brought back to presence and not to drag that little two-second frustrated matcha feeling into the next present moment and into the next five minutes and have it turn into this thing where I'm just like annoyed all day for some silly reason. My work that I've gotten really good at is feeling and calmly and maturely expressing as kindly as I can what I'm feeling and then keep it moving, you know? And and because of your non-reactivity, we, we are able to be in that dance that way. Well, that's something that I find to be (laughs) not only exceedingly rare in my experience, but just astonishing is your ability to get back into your center when you've been triggered. And I think this is really one of the great keys that all of us can learn to use is to have that self-awareness to honor what it is that comes up and then get back to homeostasis as quickly as possible if the thing doesn't need to be further explored and dealt with. What what goes on, I'm curious, because I'm just astonished by your ability to do this, honestly. What goes on inside you when you feel a little rumble of something you know, between us or, or else just in your life? You have that triggering email or things don't go according to your plan in that moment. What what do you actually do inside? Are you praying to God? Are you doing a little, are you breathing? What's your mechanism of recentering and getting back to reality when your mind has taken you out of reality mm. into illusion? Yeah, that's interesting. That's a great question. I, I thankfully become so adept at 
doing this um, that you're describing that thankfully, for the most part, it's just an autonomic uh, response at this point. But if I try to go into that space and uh, do a reenactment here, let me just see where I go. Uh, there is some breath, but it's, I don't have like, I don't go into some like certain technique. I just connect to my breath. I do connect to the center line of my being. I do see, I always start, I think it's honestly, I'm able to um, regain my center and get back into my full power so quickly and instantaneously because of all of the things I do outside of those triggering moments. Like, when I wake up in the morning, before I even get out of bed, I'm already talking to my soul and connecting to my heart and asking my heart, how do you feel today? What do you need today to feel nourished and whole? Tuning into my soul to see uh, what colors I'm picking up on. What are the textures? Saying my prayers, uh, doing my surrender statements. So I start my day and that fully held encapsulated divine essence, you know, so that's outside of me, that's within me. And so, uh, and because I've been doing that continuously, uh, for years and years, yeah, if I, if I feel a trigger, I've just developed such a deep trust in myself to handle anything and everything with a lot of freaking grace and for the most part, a lot of ease. Again, I'm not trying to present myself as perfect, but I've put in uncountless hours of devotion to the spiritual path and to the work. And in shamanism, you know, we do a ton of shadow work. So when I say I've put in a ton, I'm talking like years upon years of facing uncomfortability. And, uh, you know, I, I my awakening came from a really uh, severe cataclysmic tra- traumatic moment. And so just through riding all of those experiences that we all encounter here on planet Earth, I've developed such a deep trust and my ability to get through it all. And I've developed such a deep trust in God, goddess, source, all that is. I know that it's all ascending me and it's 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 all uplifting me and it's all serving my uh my intention for my incarnation which is infinite exploration of my evolution and i know that any wave that comes in however deeply triggering or not that it is i know that it's serving me so i let myself feel that charge i let myself tune in where is that charge hitting is it in my belly is it in my heart is it making me want to purge? Is it making me feel rage or anger? Like the other night I was having swells of, uh, I was feeling enraged. So I let myself identify and fully feel it. Um, but then I'm just, I'm, I, I, what happens next after healthily feeling and being present with what the information that is trying to communicate to me, I, I talk to it. What, what, what are you feeling? What do I need to know? Um, and then I just, go right into that all-encapsulating nature of that deep trust. I, I hope that that somewhat answers it. I'm trying to be as like tactile as I can so these tips can can perhaps serve uh, anyone listening. Um, but it really is a culmination, honestly, of uh, my daily, daily spiritual and shamanic work that allows me even in, in really thick, deep, uh, trigger moments to get right back into my power. 
I know that it's my responsibility and I know I have the the capacity to hold my divine whole power at all times. And so I'll notice really quick, like um, if if you're having a tough day or, or, or whatever, um, and not that you do this very often, but let's say you just say a, a small little thing that I could easily in the past let bother me, I very quickly can identify that you're uh, in a in a tough spot, that maybe your back's hurting or something. And I say sometimes out loud to myself, like I, I talk really funny to myself a lot, actually. I'll, I'll say like, oh, oh, hell no. Like, no, no, he owns that. That's not mine to carry. Um, I No, I'm in my whole power. I'm feeling great today. I'm going to hold my space. I, I, I take responsibility for my power. Something like that, you know? Those yeah. juicy things. Yeah. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. I want you to use your imagination for a moment. Take a second and just imagine a probiotic that actually works. One that actually does what it's supposed to do. Heal your gut. When you find the right probiotic, the one that works, it's like winning the gut lottery. That's where our friends at Just Thrive Probiotic come in. Just Thrive Probiotic is the first and only 100% all-natural spore form DNA verified and tested probiotic supplement. That means it has 100% survivability. It makes it through your digestive tract and does its magic in there because it doesn't get killed on the way down. It's got clinically proven strains for leaky gut. They're doing nine other ongoing human clinical trials. This is a really powerful way to support your immune system and your brain. Now, your brain really depends on the health of your gut. So not only does having a jacked up gut suck because you get all bloated and gassy and the leaky gut issues and all that, but your brain really depends on the health of your gut. And our friends over at Just Thrive have nailed it when it comes to a product that really works. You take one capsule per day with meal and you're done. You're going to heal that gut. You're going to improve your digestion. And this is how I've recently really helped my digestion and my gut health overall because I've always had problems with that. And it's getting better and better the longer I use the Just Thrive probiotic. It has completely changed the game for me. And I wanted to change the game for you. So if you want to make that happen, it's super easy. Just get over to thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. That's thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. And when you use the code Luke15 over there, you're going to save 15% off your order. That's Luke15 at thriveprobiotic.com forward slash Luke. And now back to the interview. Well, I love that you're bringing up the, the futility of perfectionism. You know, it's such an ego game to yeah. expect ourselves to be more than human. And I find that it gives me a lot more, I actually find that I get closer to perfection <laughs> the, the less I try to arrive there. You yeah. know, and it's funny when we did our last conversation, uh, which, you know, obviously you figured out by now, this is not really an interview folks, but just a, a conversation between two people exploring, relating uh, in a conscious way. Should I say that my name is Allison Charles, by the way? We, <laughs> I'll, we have, say, we, <laughs> I'll say it in the intro. But we did an episode on two, seven, number 275 where we talked about, you know, that really how we initially met, which was when she was on my podcast almost four years ago in New York City on episode 111. That was the, the day we met for the first time and uh, how we began dating and the journey of that and how we were eventually brought together through a really mystical 
surprising series of peyote ceremonies. I just got chills when you brought up the the teepee time. Yeah. And um, so that was episode 275. But I remember when we were recording 275, which was much like a conversation such as this. And I remember feeling kind of like survivor's guilt in a way for having been through so much pain in relationships, you know, and been on the receiving end and the giving end of that pain and just all the things that one goes through when they're not given a model for healthy relating as a kid, et cetera. Uh, but I remember feeling like, God, we must sound like a couple assholes because we're like, we're, our relationship's perfect. We're in love. And so I'm, I'm glad you threw that in because it's, it's perfectly imperfect because we're each doing our own work and there is that sense of autonomy. And I think in my relationships, that's something that I've really struggled with having grown up uh, in a really sort of, fractured relationship with my dad. He wasn't emotionally available. He was having his own stuff go on. Uh, same, same with my mom. And with my mom, there was, um, we were much closer and she was much more loving and warm, but there was, there was an enmeshed element to that relationship and some, for sure, clinical codependency in, in, in my perception of it. Um, so there was a lot of codependency in my relationships and being a former addict and alcoholic, I mean, you're so, I was so, I'm not going to blanket all alcoholics, although I actually could, uh, so uh, terminally selfish and self-centered ah. that my relationships were uh, a dance of love addiction and love avoidance. And when there was uh, a trauma bond and a match there, and not to deduce all of my prior relationships to just that, of course, there's been love and there have been some amazing moments shared and periods of time shared with relationships in the past. And I honor, I honor them all deeply because they were all amazing teachings. But that codependency piece for me has been huge. And I think that's a part of what I was speaking to earlier in building my own resilience and my own autonomy where I can be receptive, compassionate, have deep empathy for you and your emotional experience, but also stay on my side of the street and take responsibility for my own emotional and mental state and my connection with God. Whereas in the past, in the deeply codependent dynamics, and I picked this up really as a kid with my, with my mom because we were so close and uh, it was just the nature of that relationship. If she felt something, I felt the same way. In right. other words, if mom was crying, I would start crying. If mom was happy, I was happy. If mom was sad, mom was angry, I would mirror that. Yeah, that's really heavy. We were so, and I love my mom and we have a good relationship today, but this is just my perspective of of what happened in that dynamic. And in, you know, in the interest of her private life, I, you know, I don't want to go too deep into it, but just in a broad sense, those were some of the dynamics. And there were also beautiful dynamics, of course, as well with both my parents. And now thankfully they've both done a lot of work. I've done a lot of work and we're there, but there is nothing more sickening to me in a relationship to where I can't be on my own side of the street and carry my own emotional state. So it's, Often for me, a, a learning experience, and this part of the learning with us is the fine line between my compassion and empathy and my heart being connected to the one I love, but also allowing you to take responsibility for your own space. And I always do. Yeah. And you do. Yeah. But it's still, <laughs> it's still I have to remain cognizant on my side to not feel the need to join in 
with whatever your experience is. Right. Just because you're having a a day, I can still be there for you without also having the day. Like and I, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't <laughs> want you to. And this, these kinds of waters are the things that pull in enabling or um, actually crippling someone's own growth or power. Because uh, I can relate to the the previous codependent relationship that I was in, you know, many, many years ago at this point, but it was a long relationship, like 16 plus years. And like that, this piece that you are unearthing for us to talk about right now carries with it just so many additional unhealthy possible threads and layers and lines that go with it. Within codependency, within that one orb is a lot of other spokes on the wheel that are highly dysfunctional, you know? And for for the past situation that I was in, it was a lot of... Um, the rescuer archetype in me. And that's, um, I, I don't need to watch it so much anymore. Um, but that's one that I really had to learn. Like you, it's, it's astounding for me how far you've come with that codependent piece and not taking on someone else's emotion. Cause I'll watch you in that dance. Sometimes you'll just go outside and take a breath of air and then come back in and you're like, okay, download it all. Tell me what's going on. But you just have to set yourself up. Yeah to hold that container the way that you need to, but it takes tons of practice and it takes tons of shattering away of old patterns and, and, and learning whole new paradigms of ways of operating within yourself and in conjunction with someone else. And what I used to do with the rescuer being one of my main archetypes, this is before I understood that the rest, when you don't examine yourself in whole and unearth all these archetypes and ways about yourself, then they have a much higher tendency of operating in shadow. So back in the day when my rescuer rescuer would operate in shadow, I would, before I would even give my previous uh, partner the chance to um, tap into some previously dormant power within him to pull himself up out of the sticky situation he's in, or before I would even give him the chance to um, uh, try to get away from that addiction issue, I, before I would even give him the chance to step into his own power, the rescuer was all up in there trying to save, control, fix, solve. Um, and then in the codependent dance on my end, by me f- almost solely focusing on him, right? And quote unquote, all of his issues, that distraction then allowed me to not look at my own stuff for years and years and years and years because I needed to fix and rescue him, right? Yeah, so good. And so, it's so good. I hope, yeah. I hope people are paying attention. This, this stuff is so, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. It's no, just, that was a good point. It's so, um, insidious, you know, and I honestly, I mean, almost every person I know who grew up in a home with alcoholism, uh, verbal, physical, sexual abuse, kids that were traumatized, abandoned, neglected. If there wasn't a healthy, stable nuclear family there for them, almost everyone suffers from this kind of dynamic, some degree of codependency. And I just think it's, it's a, it's a, you know, in personal development and in self-help things go in waves, like things are really big. There was a, in the eighties, it was all about inner child work. Mm-hmm. And then there was, you know, in the, in the world of recovery uh, in the, um, in the early nineties through the mid nineties, there was a lot of work around codependency and, 
And, uh, you know, Al-Anon became really big for alcoholics to also go to because they realized, shit, now I'm sober, but I'm still an asshole. And Al-Anon helps you be much less of an asshole um, by applying those principles to yourself and that as a selfishness sober person. piece. Yeah, We've been chatting a lot about that. The selfishness, self-centeredness. So they kind of go in waves. And I feel like right now there's a moment when codependency is kind of a quiet topic. It's just, it's just, it's going through a wave of, of uh, not ignorance per se, but it's just, it's, it's not the hot thing in therapy and stuff, but um, whatever you want to call it, this, this enmeshment, this rescuer, the victim archetype, uh, the controlling dominant, um, you know, person that wants to control everything and everyone around them. Uh, and I've ridden all sides of this stuff too. And it's all illusion filled, right? You know, the veil yeah. is pulled down tightly around all of this. So that's why you get so lost in it. Yeah. And it's so discombobulating and it's so foggy. And then that's why it feels so scary. It's so confusing when you're in that cycle. It's just horrible. Um, yeah, you don't know it from down often. Yeah, it makes you feel crazy. And so <laughs> there's a bunch of different directions I want to go in here. Um, we definitely probably have like a half an hour of warm sun and oh, then really? it's going to get pretty chilly. Will you hand me that pen too? I want to write yeah. a note. Um, on, on that note, the way that I'm kind of seeing things now and I want to see what your take is because those of you listening, you hear that there's a lot of alignment in our paths, but Allison and I have... Um, different paths in in the past and also in the way that we go through the world now in terms of the teachings that we follow specifically and the way that we, you know, the vernacular that we use to describe certain things is slightly different. And I think what holds it all together is that both of our primary purpose in life is to evolve spiritually. And we do that in shared ways and we do that in separate ways. But I think one thing that is common amongst us and is absolutely necessary for anyone in my experience that wants to navigate through those painful teachings of relationships uh, into relationships that are aligned based on shared values is to really examine where those dysfunctional patterns originated yes and and all the various ways that they've manifested and when I say that I'm so grateful for all of my past relationships, even the ones that were painful for whatever reason, is that they all brought to the surface patterns within me and my life and my behavior and way of thinking, feeling and acting that enabled me to see those patterns because they were brought to the surface by those relationships. And so looking back, I can see all of the textbook dysfunctional dynamics that are possible in relationship, <laughs> I think I've played them all out and I've played all roles in the drama. In that play called Two Injured Hurt People That Were Traumatized as Kids Coming Together, Trying to Have Their Needs Met and Cobble Together Something of a Relationship, I've, I've been in every seat on the cast, yeah. you know, and I'm so grateful for that as painful as it was for me. And I'm sure the people often that I was involved with, but that rescuer archetype was born into me uh, as a kid, feeling responsible for other people, uh, as you so wisely indicated, masking your own shit by obsessing on someone who's seemingly more fucked up with you than you. Right. Which is the whole, that's why they made Al-Anon in the 30s because all the wives of these male alcoholics 
were so damaged by the alcoholism in their homes, they had to make their own special group because they actually went crazy too. Yeah. Just from being around an alcoholic. Correct. A good example of this for anyone that wants to see this is watch the show uh, Intervention. And, and I used to watch that years sober and just, I would marvel at the, the depth of damage that addiction would cause a whole family system. There's only one sick person in the family at first. And then the whole family gets infected with codependency and neurosis and control and Denial. shaming and guilting and manipulation and dishonesty and lying. And it just turns into this cesspool. Totally. So coming out of a couple different cesspools as a kid and going in to create my own cesspool of a life um, in, in addiction, these are things that I did not know. And these are things that weren't taught to me uh, even in recovery. You know, it was just don't drink, don't do drugs and you're cool. Do whatever the fuck you want outside of that. And I know that's not what those programs of recovery really indicate because they are about a change of character and a change of spirit and soul on a deep level. And that change in character is what enables you to be free of addictions. But it is easy to get caught up on the surface trap of like, hey, I'm not drinking. I got a job. I kind of got my shit together again. Why do I need to learn about codependency and love addiction and sex addiction and love avoidance and all of these manifestations of that dysfunction? And so for me, I mean, it's it was 20 years yeah. of mostly suffering, if I'm going to be really honest, right. in and out of relationships and having, you know, closing my heart and just putting a wall around myself and not allowing anyone to really love me and never allowing myself to be fully seen, fully held, fully needed, wanted. Uh, it's such a sad state of affairs really looking back. And I, I don't have regrets because it, here we are, you know, well, but Jesus Christ, I feel like I could have been spared so much pain uh, had I learned about some of these dynamics earlier on and, and had some foresight to really seek out growth in these areas because the relationships that we're patterned into as adults with unhealed trauma, all they do, and I learned this in plant medicine, not in books, in meditation, plant medicine, and in a lot of broken hearts that I've lived through, it's every one of those little sick threads, and I don't mean sick and judgmental, I just mean sick in that it's unwell. They can all be traced back to something with mom or dad, right? And there was neglect, abuse, abandonment, et cetera. And so you meet someone or I would meet someone and it's like my key just fit perfectly in their lock. And, and initially you think that that key means- They're the one. Finally figured it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're the one. And it's really the trauma bonding. They're the one. Yeah. And I'm going to put this in my book so no one try to steal it. I'm going to copyright it because I really think it's good. And it's, it's original in the sense that I, it came to me one day, but- it's not original because no thought's original. They come from, you know, the, the ethers. The collective, right. Uh, but it's this idea that, you know, in the, in the love addiction game, when you meet someone and you're just like, oh my God, all you can do is think about them and you're waiting for that text to come in and every moment with them is just exhilarating. And yeah, you think it's exciting and exhilarating, yeah. but it's really... And it feels so right. And you'll watch a friend, you know, go into this and you're like, dude, you, you maybe you should slow it down a little bit. You know, you just met her. You really going to get engaged or move in or have sex or whatever. It seems to be moving pretty fast. And that person will say, like I told my friends that looked out for me, man, it just feels right. It's this manic, it feels so right, man. She's the one. And what I've come to learn <laughs> through a lot of pain 
is that when you meet that person, it's not necessarily that it feels right because it's right. It feels right because it's familiar. It feels right because it's familiar. Familiar to what? Familiar to the uncle that abused you. Familiar to the dad that beat the shit out of you. Familiar to the drunk mom. Whatever your story is, we all have, you know, there's a million different ways that those those first formative, especially the first seven years play out. And now that I've, you know, studied neuroscience and I've interviewed so many brilliant people in, in that realm, I understand literally physically what happens is neural pathways get built in our minds that yes. make being abused or abusing another yes. feel right. And that is why it, when you are in an, a, an abusive cyclical relationship, that that is oftentimes why it's it's very challenging to pluck yourself out of it. You know, it's all of these things we're talking about, the insidious nature of it, uh, the familiarity of it, which which then because of those neuropathways that are carved in your mind, it's so, it can be so hard to convince yourself that it's not right. And, and, and when you're in the throes of some of these really deepest trenches, Oftentimes you do need someone on the outside who has done this work, who can so clearly see these massive blind spots to really, um, you know, guide in a very specific way. If there's someone obviously like someone who is comfortable to sit in someone else's shadow work, it's it's a very particular kind of person. Not everyone should need to do that, nor do they want to do that. But um, yeah, I, I want to bring up a few things though, because as you were talking, that's why I needed that pen to take notes because so much was coming up. And one thing um, is is healthy boundaries. And I don't know where I want to go with this topic. I don't know that we need to go far and wide with it, but I just think it's such a, an important topic and it goes with everything that we're talking about. And it's something that I'm really proud of myself in terms of how far I have grown in the ability for me to um, discern where and when and how to let someone enter into my most inner circle and not. And um, I just, I really trust my inner navigational system uh, for what kind of space to hold in between me and anyone else. And that can be undulating, right? You know, there, there can be someone that I'm, I'm friends with and have known for many years and, Maybe for some months and some years, they're kind of in that inner circle or just one layer out. And then maybe there's some months where I need to keep them five layers out because I can just pick up on, because typically for the most part, anyone that I know also does a lot of deep work. And that takes you through a lot of different passageways. And so if someone's really in the throes of some stuff that's unearthing a lot of like illness, sickness, whether that be mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, um, you know, there's a lot of, a uh, lot of factors in, in, involved in what I'm trying to explain. Uh, but knowing how to have healthy boundaries is really a key to any friendship, any, any relationship, whether it's friendship, family, um, romantic partnership. It's just something that I, uh, felt really on a soul level, uh, deeply guided to at least bring up to, at least for whoever's listening, you know, wherever you want to go with this piece and examining it for your own self and your own life right now. Uh, it's just something as I've gotten older and uh, more and more experienced, 
it's it's been a game changer in terms of the level of health in my own life on all the levels is where are my boundaries at with other people? And also really learning if someone's going through like a, a really hard relationship, um, again, and watching these old neuropathways and old conditionings and patternings, you could instantly think, oh, the the best way that I can be the best friend right now is to get up in the mix, right? How do they need help? How can I... Um, you know, what's the most hands-on way I can support them because they're in the throes of it, right? They're really um, suffering. But there's just a lot you need to observe because honestly, the, the most supportive and least enabling thing that you can maybe do for that friend is to maybe actually... You know, of course, after you discuss with them and see see where they're at, but the the healthiest thing for all involved, including the friend that's going through stuff that you might want to be there for in other ways, if you just check yourself for a second and pause, the most health the healthiest thing and the most supportive thing you can maybe do for them is to actually remove yourself a little bit. You know, um, yeah. I don't know if it, what's coming up for you in this, but I mean that coming from the world of recovery. Uh, allowing someone to go through the lesson they need to go through is the Al-Anon 101. You know, I mean, that's, again, I'm going to go back to that show, uh, Intervention. Intervention. It was a great show. I mean, it was really disturbing and just terribly sad and tragic in most cases. But you could see the extreme playing out of enabling where you have a family with a teenage kid who's on crystal meth, stealing the goddamn TV every weekend and pawning it for dope. Uh, and then the family keep, gives them a credit card, lets yeah. them come home and sleep there. And the poor parents, you know, are in a really tough place because the counselors are saying, you're enabling, you're going to kill your kid if you keep helping it's them. It's a really challenging You dance. know, so it's, it's, you know, it's easy to talk about hard, harder in practice, for but sure. on the more extreme level, that is... To me, um, it's a fine line, but the the dysfunctional side of it is playing God and intervening in somebody's karma. And oftentimes, <laughs> allowing someone to play out the karma of the cards they've been dealt here is the biggest gift you can give them and not co-signing their bullshit. So I'm all for that, but it is, it is a... Um, a dance that one has to learn to finesse. And there's, I, I don't think there's a black and white answer no, to every situation. No, no. And it's one of those um, things where one can develop discernment and wisdom through taking responsibility for yourself. And in also, as you so brilliantly brought up, in learning how to create healthy boundaries. And I'm so glad that you went there with that piece because going back to the statement I made where you meet someone and it's just, oh my God, it's just electric. It feels so right. Usually, in my experience, in those situations, you have two people that were abused as kids and their boundaries were sometimes severely invaded. And when a child's boundaries are invaded, by whatever means, emotionally, sexually, physically, uh, they don't learn about boundaries. In other words, there's no separation between me and you because I never learned that because a family member was touching me inappropriately or babysitter molesting me, uh, being hit by someone in the family. These type of physical boundaries, emotional boundaries, sexual boundaries, when they're crossed, a kid doesn't learn that there's a me and there's a you. It's an us. And that can carry on throughout an entire lifetime. And so oftentimes you meet someone, and I'm speaking from experience, and it's just 
so intoxicating and exhilarating. And you'll find, (laughs) you might identify this if you experienced it before, on your first date, you tell them your whole life story about every relationship, all the shit that happened when you were a kid, you're a recovering addict. It's like those things are in a healthy dynamic eventually come out as you gain trust Mm -hmm. in one another. But two people that are underdeveloped in the category of boundaries will have no boundaries right when they meet and often become sexual almost immediately. And this leads to that hormonal cascade that literally turns into a drug and you're on your way into what could be a long-term relationship where the initial bond wasn't built on mutual appreciation, love, respect, autonomy, but was built on trauma bonding and a lack of boundaries that leads you to this intense feeling of attachment and addiction to that person. Right. So it's, a, it's the boundaries is what allows one to create healthy attachment or dysfunctional addictive attachment. Like I have an attachment to you. I want to be around you all the time. I love your company and I love holding you. I love all the time we spend together. I mean, I feel like we're one, but I'm also me. Yeah. I have my relationship with God and that comes before you. Right. And I know your relationship with your God comes before me. So the boundary is created by my spiritual relationship with God and with my higher self. Right. So there can be a me, there's a boundary to withhold and I can be responsible for my own sense of being and manage my own feelings and expectations and opinions and thoughts and whatever threads of neuroses are left in my personality, that's on me and my God to sort out so that when we come together and there's that attachment, it's a secondary attachment because the first attachment is to creation. Right. And it's all of divinity. So like my former self, my pre-awakened self would probably hear this description and be like, well, that doesn't sound enticing. That doesn't actually sound good. I think my way is better, you know. Sounds boring. Yeah, sounds boring. Um, but now, yeah, and, and I think we've touched on this in the last episode where after we had gotten together as a couple, um, episode 275, but I'll just touch on it briefly again, is just that piece of personal sovereignty, divine sovereignty. And we know that that at the heart and core and foundation of our beautiful, delicious, juicy, sacred union, the core of it is you are a sovereign divine being and I am a sovereign divine being. And there were things about me that I wanted to make sure were totally transcended because one of the pieces came up right as we started this chat uh, was how both of us uh, and a lot of us incarnated this lifetime and I I'm, I'm, would put money on probably 80 plus percent of your listeners right now fall into this category of we incarnated at this time to transcend things for our entire lineage. So that's big ass work. So we we are not only facing and, and healing and holding our own personal patternings that we need to watch out for. We're literally doing it for our entire ancestry and our entire lineage because a lot of this stuff just rolls on and rolls on and rolls on and rolls on. And just imagine after hundreds of years of some of these dynamics rolling on, it creates just, you know, oh, our family's known for, well, why? Let's freaking stop that, you know? And and you're here and have 
done that work. I am here and have done that work. And a lot of you listening, I would guess this is really resonating. It's uh, to transcend lineage pieces and personal pieces to reach personal divine sovereignty. And I know that that's why our relationship works as well as it does. And that's why it's of this completely different essence and vein and energy medicine that we have. Uh, It's because I really, you know, honestly and bravely looked at all the gunk within me that I needed to heal and face to back to the farthest root of the root root piece. And I knew I needed to do that. And I wanted to do that in order for me to be in the kind of relationship that I knew was the only relationship I could withstand at this point anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't withstand another unhealthy addiction riddled. <laughs> like I wouldn't be able to do it. It, 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 it caused my first shamanic, you know, death and, and rebirth and was the greatest miraculous moment, but it was too horrendous, you know? So I was willing, I was like, okay, oh, I'm giving man. this my all to heal and transcend all the pieces and become sovereign, whether it's like financial stuff. Like that was really important for me. I, I, need, I knew I needed living on my own all those years in New York City, I knew that I needed to figure out within my own self, you know, I wasn't really taught much about finances growing up. And when I had my spiritual awakening, I was also instantaneously thrust into entrepreneurship because I honor and live by the calls. And I was being shown, you are a shaman, your shamanic medicine is supposed to operate in this way. And I was like, oh my God, are you kidding me? And then it was like, I also needed to be my own brand and business. No one, I didn't go to entrepreneurship or business school, you know, and So figuring out all that stuff in one important piece was I need to be, I need to figure out how to be really financially free and sovereign as a single woman living in what a lot would probably be determined, you know, the the hardest city to do that in on my own. And I needed to figure that piece out before I got into the kind of relationship. And I did. And there are a lot of other stuff too. Uh, But yeah, anyways. Well, I think one thing that makes our journeys quite different in terms of the lessons that we had to learn in order to get here and experience lessons that are actually pretty fun. <laughs> you know? Yeah, we like, laugh I feel, a lot. I feel like our learning together is just like laughter medicine and not, not taking ourselves and each other too seriously. But in getting here where I'm capable of being the man that I am with you and for you, uh, it was years and years of attempting to find love and to have have a relationship whereas you know probably during the 15 some odd years you were largely single uh you were doing that work just on your own and i always find that uh contrast interesting because i i guess for me because i did it the way i did it and am doing it still uh it's hard for me to imagine just becoming sort of a recluse and just really going within for that long and not learning by getting into relationships and bringing to the surface those patterns within myself. It's like you were bringing the patterns of relationship to the surface, but by yourself. Well, you know, what just came up for me is this piece that we've talked about so much since we've gotten together uh, in this way as now fiancés is because as a shaman, you know how we talk and laugh a lot about like, I don't need the mushrooms to go on a mushroom journey. Yeah. I don't need, I, 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 I go on medicine journeys at will, on call, on demand, at any second, in any place, on any day. 
and I'm having the experiences with the unseen realms, with the guides, other beings, with all of the stuff that, that most people, in order for them to see those beings and to have those experiences require, um, so at least in the beginning, um, require some sort of, uh, plant medicine. And, and I also, let me be very clear because this is something I teach emphatically I am not a believer that you, that you have to have plant medicines in order to, um, do have the kinds of experiences that I do. And that as a shaman this lifetime, that is one of the main things that I teach is that I was a shaman and had spiritual experiences for many, many, many years before any plant medicine called to me. So we all have these gifts within us. But my point is, I just didn't want any of that to be uh, misunderstood. So I needed to clarify it, but back to what we were talking about all these pieces that for whatever reason, your human being and soul needed to have come up via another human teacher. I was having them come up through my own living in my little Brooklyn shamanic cave, initiatory cave. These pieces were revealing on my own just through God or at my altar, the, the, what I needed to face and feel to relation relationally was coming up just in my relationship with source. So I just, I didn't need another human being to evoke for me the way that you did. Right. Which is what we talk about a lot. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I am, I am mystified by that. And in a very, very minute way, envious because man, to, to try and pull it together with very little skills is, is painful for everyone, you know? So I've had to work through a lot of, guilt, you know, looking back on just, God, I, I mean, I really did my best, but it, it wasn't very good in many cases, you know, and I've gone back and made amends to every single woman I have ever dated or been intimate with that I could locate. And I've gone to great lengths to locate some of them. And uh, I'm not saying that that completely absolves me of any wrongdoing, but I was just very unconscious, you know? And so not only did I just put myself through a lot of pain and all of that, but there were other people involved. And, uh, and that was quite, quite a long time, you know, of just a year here, two years here, five years here. And I just, well, the other thing we joke about is I was in that 16 and a half year relationship relentlessly in the battles while you you spent that time dating a lot of other people. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I I did a bulk of my work with one person for a super long duration. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. That is, that is an important point. Um, and to your point, I always give the disclaimer around plant medicines and yeah. psychedelics that they're, <laughs> I, you know, it's funny when I give this disclaimer, disclaimer, I actually, <laughs> in a way, I'm not even telling the truth. I'm going to be honest right now. There is a part of me that thinks every single person on the goddamn planet should do plant medicines, but that I'm going to reel that in because I think that would be reckless and irresponsible because I don't know what everyone's circumstances are. And I think why I feel so enthusiastic about that and have to go ahead and give my disclaimer is just because when that started for me a couple of years ago, I mean, it was just like, it was like uh, dynamite breaking through one of these solid rock mountains. You know, it was just years of being stuck on repeating the same pattern, like get out of a relationship. And why is this showing up Go, again? Yeah. Like I'm never doing that again. Yeah. Meet someone who's exactly like the last one, <laughs> yeah. dive right back in, you know, or some inverse 
combination of those dysfunctional patterns that we talked about earlier from, from childhood and beyond. And it was like, when I did medicine, it was just like, oh my God. I mean, I remember the first time doing ayahuasca. I mean, just seeing the depth and gravity of the sexual abuse that I endured as a kid. I mean, I've been looking at that stuff since I was 14. I mean, that's when I went into therapy for it, right? I'm about to turn 50. I mean, I've done writing, therapy, primal scream therapy, breath work, meditation, kundalini yoga. I mean, I've done everything to heal from that um, violation. And just as one example, seeing how devastating those experiences that I had when I was a kid were to my, the core of my being and how they shaped my entire life. That alone unraveled all these in one night, you know, just unraveled all of these threads about how that played into my behavior as a man with sexuality and my lack of consciousness around that and disconnection from my body, disconnection from the higher, sacredness of the woman's body. Yeah. Yeah. Just disregarding my body, disregarding a woman's body. Um, and and all of the patterns of relationship based around losing my self identity. Right. I, it, I was too young to have formed a true, healthy ego, egoic. And I mean this in the most positive sense, but you need an ego to function in the world. Mine wasn't ready yet. It's like I wasn't hatched when I had those experiences. So I got disconnected from my body, disconnected from my heart, my sense of self. Survival mode. Yeah. And so from then on out, it was just like me against the world. And I did that my whole life. And so it's no wonder here I am now, say, 35 years old, feeling through my own inner work and spiritual endeavors that I'm, you know, I'm having a desire for something more meaningful than just... A, a physical interaction with someone, I maybe I could be in love and start to play around with that and, and make <laughs> really sloppy attempts at how to do that with zero skills and still always having this wall that is just impenetrable that I would not let any woman pass. It's just, you're not getting in there. And come to find out in further medicine journeys, it wasn't just the abuse. It's that that wall not only prevented other people from getting into my heart, but more importantly, prevented prevented me from getting in there. I know, honey. You know, I had I had lost myself. Yeah. Before I was even found. And this is the kind of shit that we, as adults, many of us go through life not having the resources or tools or opportunities or courage, in many cases, to really, really look at. And so for me, yeah, I always give the disclaimer like... <laughs> you know, wait till the medicine calls you and, and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, I have to be honest in my own experience, having plant medicine experiences, um, has brought me to the depth of those things that not only allowed me to see it, but allowed me to literally just break those patterns and just sever those habituated ways of interacting. Mm -hmm. And a really a large part of why when we started dating, I was able to open my heart, but also have discernment about us and you and really be conscious and aware about what I was getting myself into, not only for my own sense of well-being and safety, but also for yours. What, what do I really have to contribute here? Uh, what am I looking for in a partner? But also, what am I able to bring, honestly, honestly bring? Yeah. And when I started looking at that through all of the work that I had done and continue to do, I, I realized like, holy shit, 
I actually at this point have a lot to offer. Have a yes, lot to bring. You do, honey. You bring so much. You're incredible. And that's why it's, I'm so glad you brought this up because it brings me back to a piece that I wrote down first uh, a long time ago in our, in our chat today. This is exactly why I personally don't let myself fall into self-deprecation. And it's, I think it's a piece recently you've started to watch a little bit. Yeah. I've had to work on that a lot. Because it's like, I, I, I have divine humility and I am, I am a very like down to earth, humble person, but I also am just as strong with my divine confidence and, and owning all of the work that I've put in to be the anchored, embodied, beautiful woman that I am. And I'm not going to downgrade that or downplay that or make that play smaller than what it deserves to be, you know, expressed or shown. I I just don't play that self-deprecating game because it, it's not only cutting you off from your whole divinity and all of the freaking trenches and, and brave, relentless work that you have put in, but it also cuts everyone else off too because... I want everyone else, not because I'm not better than anyone, but I want everyone else to fully be able to truly feel and see like, I feel great about myself and I feel great about how I live my life. And I couldn't always say that. And I put in the freaking work to be able to, in a healthy, divinely confident, yet humble way, own that and say that. And I'm going to say that and I'm going to express it and I'm going to shine it and I'm going to own it, you know? And, and that's why I just, I wanted to bring that up. I wanted to circle back to that self-deprecating piece. Like you have done so much far and beyond, you know, what, what most humans in any lifetime would put in in order to get sovereign and to, to heal all these big things you've had to overcome you know, being molested and and deep addiction, you know, in many different ways. It wasn't just one thing you were addicted to. And you've just done so much uh, powerful work that it pains me at times. Not that you do it all the time. It's not like a huge issue, but I've seen it just enough where I'm like, man, I, and I would, I really look forward to the day where you don't feel the need to self-deprecate anymore <laughs> in order to make someone else feel better. Own the fucking work you've put hey, in. Thanks, baby. I appreciate that. You know, it's, uh, I think it's uh, that, that thing, that self-deprecating thing that some folks have and that I've had to work on quite a bit. It's, uh, it's what they would call in recovery, false humility in that true humility is being able to have an honest appraisal of who and what and where you are. Right. The good, the bad, and the ugly. So another way it's often said is staying right-sized. And the way that I mistook staying right-sized in life, in general, just how you express, is don't get too big for your britches. Don't be a braggart. Don't be arrogant. Don't be conceited. In other words, stay small is what I heard. But my understanding as it's further developed in staying right-sized and having a more true sense of humility is staying not too big, but also not too small. It's owning the majesty that everyone 
is and yes. has, and really and just being it, honest, acknowledge, acknowledging that, just you know being what I mean? honest about it. But that's that's been hard because one of my pet peeves, I'm sure, because it's triggers some familiarity in me. I don't think so much anymore, but uh, is when I see people that are really braggarts and there's nothing more gross to me than a guy that like thinks he's the shit or, you know, a woman for that matter, um, who's got that like inflated egoic sense of self Chip on and shoulder. think they're the shit. Like I just, that is such a turnoff to me. So whenever owning my power comes into my awareness, there's a fear of what people think. Like, oh man, I don't want to come off like one of those guys by saying, hey, I've mastered this or I've mastered that. And here I, I am. I get it. I hear you, but I honestly just don't really care anymore. And I'm I'm gonna be unabashed about that. <laughs> I don't care anymore. I and 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 I put in a many years. Yeah. I, I've had I've had therapists back in the day when I did a brief stint and taking acting classes the, that my acting coach even called me out on. Throughout my life, I've had a lot of people on the outside. I used to be so scared of being perceived as a braggart as well, full of myself, thinking I, my shit doesn't stink, um, just thinking that I am like hot shit, right? And I always feared um, other people perceiving me as as me being full of myself. And I had to like, oh my God, exhaustively unravel that narrative, work on that piece and, and work for so many years to get to the point where I just, in a divinely confident way, embody and own who I am and all the work that I put in. And I'm not going to fear somebody else thinking that that I'm, you know, whatever, hot shit anymore. I know, I, I trust myself. I don't carry myself around like I'm hot shit. I'm very down to earth and I'm very humble, but I also know who I am. And I am a force. I, I... I am a very powerful human who has done a lot, experienced a lot, been so courageous. And I'm not going to hide that and pretend that I'm not that. That's why I love you. One of the many reasons. Yeah. It just felt good to say that out loud. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to. On mic, baby. Rock it on mic. Own it. <laughs> well, this brings me into another great topic and that is the very real and natural need that each of us have to be respected by others. And that that is often impossible to truly receive until one respects themselves fully. And I think in our relationships, that's one of the things that I've found to be such a pleasant surprise is because of my reverence and my, my honoring of you as a woman, as a person. Uh, I mean, I just cherish your feelings and the way you are. I just have such respect for you. And I think that comes out in hopefully a way that's nurturing of, of all that you are. Yeah, very much. And I always felt as though, not always, I don't want to speak in absolutes, but there's been a pattern in my life, I think, because I for so long lacked self-respect and self-acceptance and self-love that I found myself in situations where I was continually being disrespected. Correct. And yes. for anyone that's experienced that, I can tell you 
uh, you can stomp your feet up and down all fucking day long and demand respect and you, you ain't, ain't going to get, get it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and there was this switch that somehow got hit. In the last, really in the past three years, I've really gone into some deep, deep work. I mean, I'm going to celibate for almost two years. Uh, I mean, I'm not talking like not even... I did not even look women in the eyes. And when I first met you, I was, I was celibate. I mean, you can vouch for me. Did I hit on you in any way? Not in any way. Yeah, and I and was, vice versa. was and still am attracted to you, but there was just such a boundary within myself of like, I'm fucked up. Whatever this is, I got to fix this. Yeah. I, I, I'm out. I'm out of the game. No flirting, no nothing, right? Um, and that was really the beginning of, of the journey of identifying and learning about who I am. Like, go within, quit porn, the fucking dating apps, all those distractions, getting that little hit from flirting with the girl in the coffee shop just to see if she'd give you a little hit back, you know, right. all that bullshit. Uh, no judgment for people that are still operating that way. It's a step on the path, but uh, it was a step that was <laughs> falling through to the depths of hell for me. So I stopped stepping on it. But in that gradual, gaining of more self-respect and also just acknowledging my gifts in a humble way, uh, I noticed uh, along the way that you're just very respectful of me and my path and what I'm doing in my life from the minutiae of how I handle myself and my pretty out there ways with all the biohacking and anyone that has lived around me knows I'm, I'm a handful and I, and I'm not being self-deprecating. I'm just, I'm very different. No, I will vouch for you. you you've got your ways. I'm very different. <laughs> I, most people don't walk up to a 40 degree Creek and like, they're just dying to jump in. You know, I'm just, I'm a different kind of guy and I, and I love myself for it. But as I've really embraced that, uh, I've just noticed in the micro and in the macro, you're just so respectful and have so much honoring energy for me. And I've looked at that like, wow, God, it's not like I ever had to tell her like, you better respect me in this house. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> it's like, you're just like, yeah, babe, I, I trust you. You know, you trust me in being the way that I am in the world and decisions that I make and how I handle things. And we have this very beautiful dance of mutual. Oh, what a we beautiful bird. Audience. Wow. <laughs> hey, hey, buddy. <laughs> But yeah, I respect you because, again, the sovereign and sovereign piece, because I put in the work for so much this lifetime and so many other lifetimes, I know anyone that has overcome all the stuff that you have deserves a lot of respect and a lot of honor. And because I know what it takes to face that stuff and to go to those places and I know you had to have done that to be the man that you are today. I, you know, bow to that. Like it deserves full respect and honor. And I just want to touch briefly on that piece because what I was, what I was meaning when I said the therapist in the past and my acting coach in the past, how they would call me out on that one particular piece. I don't think I really clarified. They called me out on the fact that I lacked confidence to the point where it was that noticeable to where other pre people and professionals would come to me and say, Allison, I know you've accomplished a lot and you know, you're know you very successful, but I just noticed this like meekness and this, this lack of self-esteem, this lack of self-confidence. And it was because I feared of being looked at as la-ti-da, whatever. <laughs> but the reason why I so you know, own that piece is because in my, in that past relationship, I allowed my body to be dishonored every day, pretty much for over 16 years. Right. And it's because I lacked self-honor, self-respect, self-love. Um, and, and in lacking the, those pieces within me, exactly what you were just talking about, I then allowed another to 
dishonor and disrespect to me. Yep. And so... Because it feels familiar. Because that's you're used to that feeling because you're doing it to, to yourself, yourself every day. So you're just both <laughs> in that dance of dishonor and disrespect. So you and the other are ganging up on you in a way, well, it, it hurts. It feels like shit, but at least it's not different. Yeah. And I really had to look at that piece and own that and take full responsibility and be like, wow, Allison, what is going on within you? What happened to you in childhood? What happened in your life where you allowed a man to disrespect and dishonor you on a lot of layers, but especially dishonor your physical sacred body every day for over 16 years. You need to look at that and you need to figure that out. That's not some small change shit going on right there. That's big. Day in, day out for almost two decades, that's that's some stuff you need to, to look at. And I looked at it and, and did so much work around it and came so far to truly embodying self-honor and self-respect. That's why I, I unabashedly own it. I just wanted to clear that up. Yeah, and this is also why I truly believe we have the very unique and special relationship that we have. And from my perspective... <laughs> I wouldn't have been ready for you and I could guess you probably wouldn't have been ready for me until I really got back into my own heart and really, truly for the first time in my life a couple years ago began to actually love myself and really value myself and who I am as a man and and really getting the sense of I deserve to be treated with kindness respect, love, compassion. And not only do I deserve that, but I'm absolutely certain that I have the capacity and skills to treat someone else that way. And I think this is the piece for so many of us that are out there wanting this human connection that's so inherent to who we are as a species. Uh, when it, when is my soulmate going to come? How, how do I call in the one? How do I manifest the perfect What ritual partner? can I do? You know, and... And the ritual is fall in love with yourself. Yeah. And if that hasn't happened at depth through whatever means one chooses to arrive there, and of course it's a process. I'm not saying I've arrived there. It's, it's little by little, chipping away at the self-loathing thoughts and behavior and all that stuff that we've talked about. Um, it's like... <laughs> When the table is set, the food will be served. Correct. It's setting of the table. And then here comes the feast. And then you think, wow, where's this thing been my whole life? The table wasn't set. I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for this before. That's why this didn't happen. And this piece, I'll speak for myself. Years ago, um, if someone had asked me, like before my awakening, do do you love yourself, Allison? I think without hesitation, I would have been like, of course I do. Like, of, of course I love myself. You know, um, I, I really had myself convinced before the veil was lifted and that divine intervention spiritual awakening happened for me. I, w- I was ignoring a lot of uh, stuff about myself. And so I think for this piece, Go beyond, like ask yourself, right? You know, look, look yourself in your, in your own eyes in the mirror, tune into your soul and, and put your hand on your heart and ask yourself, you know, do, do I have, do I honor me? Do I love me? You know, ask that question. Yes. But you might be lying to yourself and you might be playing your own game of facades here. So go beyond that 
inquire in self-inquiry and start to really look at the relationships in your life, what you stand for, what you don't stand for, what you allow to have happen to you, what you allow to have happen in your life, how you allow people to treat you, um, what kind of work you're letting yourself settle for or not settle for. I mean, if you really want to do this work, really do it. And it, and you really got to get uh, bravely, fiercely honest with yourself and, and write down some of these main life categories, you know, uh, money, relationship, work, whatever, passions, um, and really see like, how is all this really playing out? You know, does this relationship dynamic express that I love myself? Does me doing this work express that I really love myself? Uh, you know, is, is me continuously allowing that person to talk to me or behave in this way? Uh, is that really loving myself. I think, you know, if you really look at it, you might be in for some good healthy doses of rude awakenings that will then course correct you and get you on a path of of really truly setting yourself up and setting your life up for healthy success. Amen, sister. Yeah. Whew, for not feeling, for feeling a little under the weather, I mustered up some good energy (laughs) for this. You always always perform. (laughs) I, I can always count on you. Uh, so we're about out of battery and we're yeah, almost out of sun. sun. <laughs> um, I, I would too. like to say a couple things in closing. Uh, Alice and I are just naturally, I think, gravitating toward doing more of this work together and, and helping people find love, helping people find love in the relationship they're in when it seems to be lost. Um, how to keep the faith. Yeah, how to keep the faith and work through this stuff. Uh, so we don't know what exactly it's going to look like, but we we did get an Instagram. It's called uh, Higher Power Couple, at Higher Power Couple. Get it? Higher Power as in about God, uh, which is really in my estimation and experience, the only way a relationship works is if you both <laughs> have some understanding of what this life is all about um, spiritually or at least if that's part of your value system. And there's also higherpowercouple.com, which is an empty website. But we're feeling the call, I think, to share more expression like this because we've both suffered immensely and there's there's a way up and out and there really is a way to find true, healthy, lasting love. And, uh, you know, we're we're figuring it out and we're, we're recording, not, I mean, figuratively speaking, we're, we're logging our gains and... And any missteps along the way, as we have been doing all of these years, and we're you know really eager to share information like this because I truly believe that uh, I'll speak for myself and in the healing and evolution of humanity, we need one another, especially in romantic relationship, whether it's with same sex, opposite sex, it doesn't matter. It's about sharing your heart with another human being and and building a home and a life and a family based on shared values. And so I'm really looking forward to exploring this more because my life is just so much more rich now as, yeah. as a result of readying myself for this and having the courage and discernment to allow this to be. And there was, it was scary. I mean, you can hear about it in our episode number 275. I mean, there were moments that I was like this, I can't do this, you know, in the oh, very yeah. beginning. And I'm sure you had yours. Um, but I'm all in and I'm all in uh, not only for my, my fiance, Allison here, but it's really all in for me. This is my life. And mm-hmm. this is, this is what I've been sent here to experience and evolve through. And I just, I think it's, um, I think it would just be really missing uh, 
a huge part of our human experience to not be able to explore love at depth. And so I'm really, you know, excited about sharing that. And I don't know how it's going to manifest, but something around the things that we've talked about today and some sort of uh, works that people can gain uh, from. And and yeah. I will add one last piece, and that is something that was really helpful to me in addition to just all of the, the inner work on, on my own and that Allison's done on her own and getting here uh, was really getting a very solid vision about what I was looking for. And I shared that uh, part of it in 275 and, and I shared it with Allison on one fateful night when we became a couple. And it wasn't by having sex, weirdly enough. That Not took, at all. That took a little while. Yeah. Um, it was in me just, I had this note in Evernote that was every minute preference of my dream partner, just everything from physical to sexual to emotional to lifestyle to goals to deep spiritual values. I mean, just from the depths of what you're looking for to the most shallow, like she loves yogurt too or whatever. You know, I mean, just really insignificant things also. Double Ds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, little double Ds don't hurt. Um, that was in there. I know, I think mine was like, D Pre- preferably C or oh, larger. Well, that it was not a red, you know, heartily surpassed. It was it. not a non-negotiable. It's just, you know, we all have our preferences. Um, uh, I'm just uh, saying it was a very thorough list. Yeah, it was. I shared the whole list with her. I mean, it was, it was, I only shared it with a couple men that I was seeking counsel from that were married 40 years and happy. By the way, if you're going to get relationship advice, I would also advise you don't get advice from people that aren't doing it right. You know, if someone's in miserable, unhealthy relationships that are falling apart, go to someone who's been married 30 years, 40 years and is happy about it. That's what I started doing. And that was a big part of it. So creating that vision and the most important part of that vision were shared values. Like what's important to me in my life and what's important to Allison in, in, in her life. And I think when I really match up those values, then it's like, oh, loves the outdoors and whatever is like, eh, you know, those are just kind of personality preferences. I mean, I would love to have, you know, Allison jump in ice baths with me in freezing rivers. I'll go in the hot springs and and the ocean. I mean, so there's a compromise and, you know, I'm sure there's... (laughs) We frolicked in the ocean just a couple weeks ago. I'm sure there are, uh, you know, preferences that she has in terms of her hobbies and things she likes to do. Yeah, I wish she would, you know, shamanic shamanic journey and and learn how to journey without any other things. (laughs) Without medicine? Oh God, sounds like a lot of work. Anyways. Uh, I will. So anyway, I just wanted to uh, add... Add that in and, and just thank, you know, thank anyone that's listening to this or watching it on YouTube. Thank you for joining us on this journey. And it's, you know, it's a really, uh, for me, a very vulnerable thing to share. And it requires a bit of, you know, stiff upper lip to be able to be this open about um, a very personal experience. But again, doing I'm doing it in the interest of helping other people that yeah. suffered as I once did. And I know that if, if if I can do this shit as gracefully as I am now, <laughs> then Anybody anyone can. can do it. And I really, I really mean that, you know, and I just, I wish for everyone to find the love that has perhaps been lost with your significant other partner and um and if you're and if you're alone it's great to be alone for a while too and if your path in life is to be alone forever that's great too yeah that's fine because that is what i wanted to touch on like before luke and i got together i really had surrendered this piece and i and i thought you know what maybe relationships aren't for me this lifetime i truly got into that place and just kind of put my hands up and and had grown to love my own company enough and love myself enough i thought you know what i can do this and i can do it on my own and 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 i'm okay with that and but thankfully, you know, God, God has had different plans and, and it was through 
source that brought us together. And like you say, you know, you say to me all the time, you don't have to do it alone anymore, honey. And it is so much more fun having you as my partner and just to amplify my power and just being you. We have so much fun. We laugh all the time. We're so silly. It's ridiculous. It's just great. So I love you so much. So thank you for asking me to be your wife. And I, you know, I'm so excited to, you know, be engaged with you and to be married soon and to, you know, put roots down somewhere that feels really great to both of us. We have so many exciting things ahead. And, and I also want to uh, reiterate, like Luke was saying, you know, sharing about our relationship. I, I did, I put some thought into it because it's, it's something that's very, obviously very sacred to me. Uh, but I felt that it's part of our path and it's part of our calling to support um, in, in this process for other people and just hearing responses in our other conversations about it and just a couple of online workshops that we did, you know, the people that wrote in and my gosh, this is the exact thing that I needed to hear today to keep going and to keep the faith. Like I was about to give up on my celibacy or, and I heard that you were almost five years celibate and he was two and, you know, just whatever little glimmer of these chats that we do, if it can help support someone, that's what I'm here for. And that's why I'm here. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think if I could just also let people know if if you're feeling called to go deeper in the shamanic work and facing a lot of these pieces that Luke and I have talked about facing ourselves, I do have an online course called Spirit School. You can find it by going to the link in my Instagram at I am Allison Charles or at AllisonCharles.com. Um, there's a, a page there devoted to it. It's an online go at your own pace shamanic journeying course. And I personally guide you in nine different shamanic journeys to face and transcend shadows, uh, to see your highest self, to visit past lives and do past life healing, which is a big component of being you know, whole and sovereign in this lifetime. And uh, there's just so many incredible journeys where you can meet your power animal guides and other love and light guides uh, to facilitate you and support you in getting to where you want to go in this earth walk. So I welcome anyone and everyone. It's affordable and accessible to all. And lastly, I'm also launching my podcast next month. Oh, I can't wait. Finally, after all these years before my awakening, I was a radio and TV host and Luke and many other friends, Sahara, Rosie Acosta, so many of them were like, when, is your, when are you going to do a podcast? All these years, like, I don't know. I don't know. And then finally started to call to me. Then I couldn't figure out what to call it, literally. And then the name came to Luke and I one day at home. And so Ceremony Circle Podcast hosted by Shaman Allison Charles will be coming your way in November, 2020. Awesome. Very excited. Thank you for being a good radio host and remembering the plugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, he's about to wrap this up. <laughs> I have to usually put those in at the end because I forget because I'm just so enraptured by the fun conversation. Yeah, but, no, this uh, is great. Thanks. Yeah, and, and also I, I, I wanted to add one thing, you know, because I know, I don't know, if there were times in my life where I felt like, you know what, I'm just going to be a renunciate. I'm going to do my own thing, be a monk and fuck relationships and being in love. Uh, I respect that path too. Yeah. And I think I'm so excited about my life now about to turn 50 because I finally just feel so relaxed into this situation. Uh, but I would also say that these principles apply to all relationships. Yeah, that's true. We've all, or those of us that grew up with 
the type of dysfunction that we were uh, alluding to earlier, that's going to manifest with your bestie. That's going to manifest with your mom, your dad, your uncle, your boss, your employees, your employers, the person filling your tank up with gas at Starbucks. The uh, animals. Yeah. Everything. So these ways of relating to one another in mutually respectful, honest, loving, compassionate. Uh, This is for all relationships, whether you put your genitals together or not. Amen. That's a great point to end on. Yeah, I was going to say, well, you know, some people put them together. Some people put them inside of each other. Right, 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 right. Yeah, all is great. (laughs) Whether you're sexual with someone or not, you know, it's all about loving yourself and then learning to love another based on that. So thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, thank you to my lovely fiance. And for those that are wondering, okay, okay, when's the wedding? Uh, We're thinking sometime in 2021, if the world doesn't get hit by a meteor or something, uh, but we're, we're looking for a place to, to live and move somewhere more permanent uh, outside of the uh, 5G metropolis known as Los Angeles. And I think once we get settled and feel moved and we've got our home base intact for a while, then we'll set an official date and you will all, uh, I'm sure, find out and, uh, and some of you probably be invited. <laughs> so thank you so much. One love until we meet again. Bye. It's with a full heart that I end this episode with my lovely Allison Charles. Thank you so much for listening. And to anyone out there that thinks you're too broken or deranged to end up in a healthy, sustainable, fulfilling relationship, let me tell you, it is possible. Truly, if I can do it, anyone can. <laughs> so I'm hoping this conversation helped to illuminate the path for you if you're someone who seeks a relationship or someone who's in a relationship that would like to improve it. And a shout out to all those people who are just happy in a relationship with themselves because at the end of the day, that's the most important one. So next week's episode is called Hormone Harmony, the end of PMS, cramps, infertility, and cycle chaos with Elise Vitti. And this one is for men too. Don't be uh, dissuaded there, fellas, because you don't suffer from PMS or cramps or any of that stuff. Uh, This is going to be very useful information for you fellas as well. Uh, so that you can support the women you are in relationship with, whether they be romantic partner, friend, daughter, mom, etc. So that's next week's show. And as promised, here's the link to Allison's amazing online course. Go to soulreboot.allisoncharles.com. That's soulreboot.allisoncharles.com. This is a life-changing, healing, shamanic, journeying online course gives you tools to clear anxiety and stress, blessed healing energies that serve your greatest good, eight very different guided shamanic journeys where all you have to do is relax and let yourself receive. It's truly a fantastic course. No joke. And I'm not just saying that because she's my fiance. It really is quite amazing. Uh, So again, go to soulreboot.allisoncharles.com if you want to get down with some of Allison's work. And let's thank our sponsors. Always happy to give you guys some discounts from our sponsors. I'm very grateful that you support them. Uh, You know, people keep renewing their promos with me on the show, so they must be doing some sales. And for that, I appreciate you uh, because that's how podcasts work. You know, unless you take donations or something to keep the thing on the tracks, uh, you got to pay the bills. And the sponsors are the ones that do that. So I'm very grateful for you as a listener to support them. And I'm really grateful that these brands trust me and my audience. And I also want to say that you can find all of the products that I talk about on the show at lukestory.com slash store. I know when I rattle off all these links and you're driving and 
holding a baby or feeding the dog, whatever the hell you're doing, uh, it's difficult to keep track. So just know that you can get the discount codes uh, and all of the links at lukestory.com slash store where you will find the master market. And I've neatly categorized and curated a really amazing store, uh, basically just featuring all the things that I've ever used that I think are valid to share and things that I use in my daily life now. So at lukestory.com slash store, you will find our three sponsors today, as well as just about everything else in the world that I think is cool and worth spending money on. And with that, my friends, I think I'll, uh, I'll call it a wrap. And uh, thank you for all of your love and support in the work that I'm doing here. I know sometimes I drop shows that are a bit controversial, uh, such as the one I recently did about birth trauma. <laughs> I got, got a bit of, uh, I mean, m- mostly like 99% support from moms who were like, thank you for having the nuts to do this. Uh, and then a few people that were quite triggered because, you know, they didn't like the way the guest <laughs> explained things. She used the word Luciferian and satanic, and that freaked a few people out. But as I said in that interview, it doesn't really matter why we're treating our newborns so poorly, uh, whether it's because it's a satanic ritual or just bad medicine. Uh, it's that we are doing it and it needs to be fixed. And so uh, thank you for hanging in on some of those challenging episodes. I know sometimes. You know, there's a feel-good episode like this one or with a meditation teacher and we're like, oh, it's all love and light. And then I drop some satanic circumcision ritual bombs on your ass and you don't know what to do. So I just want to encourage you to hang in there. And this show to me is about expressing things that have helped me in my journey and in my life. And, uh, and by default, I think will help some other people that have shared similar experiences or folks that desire to share better experiences and so that's why sometimes i drop these shows that are a bit controversial i've done a bunch of stuff about the rona uh and this lockdown madness and all this stuff and you know i'm always kind of on this razor's edge of not wanting to scare off some of the more you know um how do i say it uh i can't think of the word i don't want to scare off people that are still kind of in the matrix a bit with super far out stuff but at the same time I just feel a responsibility to do it and so I figure if I lose a few listeners by going out into the fringes it's worth it because I'm staying in my integrity and I'm sharing the guests uh, that I believe to be supportive of humanity and uh, hopefully you agree and if you're listening to my voice right now you know you are a super fan and I love you and I thank you for that I'll be back on Tuesday with some more support for women's health. You know, the show I did uh, last week or whenever it was a couple weeks ago was about birth process, pregnancy, etc. Uh, but now we're going to go into some really great content uh, just on how women can stop struggling with having a female body. You know, of all the women I've known in my life and dated and whatever, it's I've met very few women that are really balanced and don't have problems around their fertility, PMS cramps and all that. So I'm really kind of on a mission to not only support mothers and mothers-to-be and women and uh, babies, kids, etc. I'm just kind of on a roll with that. And you're going to see a lot more information from me about that. And again, if you're a guy and you're listening to that like, I don't want to know about that. I want to know about biohacking or whatever. uh, Hang in there, man, because it's really important. I think that all of the genders, well, all two of them, really begin to understand one another. You know, it's done me a great service. I I don't know if I talked about this in the conversation with Allison, but 
it's done me a great service to really get an understanding of female biology and hormones and cycles and uh, you know what what a partner needs at various times of the month and Alyssa Vitti, uh, our guest next week, is an expert at that. I've got her book here up on my shelf. And um, it's very, very important stuff. So with that, I'll let you go. And I'm so excited to share next week's episode and every episode to follow. Listen, if you don't want to miss any of these shows, make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast. That's one last thing I'm going to ask of you. It not only ensures that all of the new episodes are downloaded to your device or computer, but it also helps your old pal Luke here stay in the iTunes algorithm. And it's uh, very challenging to stay up in the charts there. And one thing that makes that possible is you subscribing to the show and sharing these episodes with as many friends as you can. I know I always harp on that, but uh, you know, for those that don't want to spend money on the sponsors or can't afford to spend money on it, I get it. You do just as much good for the show by just sharing it with friends and subscribing and making sure you download and listen to all of the episodes and just really uh, consume the content. That's all you got to do. Eat up the content, share it with some friends and we're even, okay? (laughs) We're even anyway. Do what you want. Just keep listening. My role here in this lifetime is to serve, to find information and to share that information according to uh, my highest intuition. Thanks for listening. See you soon. 